Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, NMLS number 328358. Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continue to dominate the mortgage market. Now your host, the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. That's because the election has changed mortgage rates dramatically. Broadcasting from the KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time talking for about. Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Feels a little bit like deja vu, but it can't be. <laughs> Happy Leap Day, Jason. Happy Leap Day, Dan. <laughs> we found out before the show that this is our very first Leap Day Mortgage of, Matters episode out ever. Of, out of how many years? Uh, this 12, 13, something like that. Yeah. We're, we started in 2008. So yeah. This is closing up our 12th year here on the radio. For those of you that want to sound cool at the water cooler on Monday, um, Saturday has only been a leap year day um, in 1908, 1936, 1964, 1992, I got to believe there were some leap day Saturdays prior to 1908. There wasn't because that was when leap year was instituted. Really? Well, not that year, but in that... I did not know that. Well, you think Leap Year always existed? Yeah. No. Huh. They figured out what, because, and it's because a lunar, a lunar lap takes 365 and a quarter days. So every four years, you have to figure out how to patch that quarter in to fix it up. And so, uh, you know, had they added it to the... Uh, the Gregorian calendar, um, I'm not sure what year, but my guess is it's somewhere near 1904. Wow, you're blowing my mind here. So obviously, I, I imagine the solar system and the movement of planets and stars and moons and suns and all this stuff hasn't changed much. So what were they doing prior to instituting a leap day? I have to reprimand myself immediately. Uh-oh. Uh The very first leap year occurred in nineteen or seventeen fifty-two. Okay. Um, but still, point remains. What were they doing prior to then? Um, Just, Eleven days were lost from the month of September in the adoption of the Gregorian calendar by Britain and colonies. Um, but so they just, there, it was a different calendar. So it wasn't based on a 365 day. So hmm. when Britain adopted it, then they instituted adding this leap year to not be missing days. Okay. Interesting. Well, add to the wiki there that, um, this is the first mortgage matters leap day episode. This is it. <laughs> this 2020 is baby. <laughs> uh, we've, man, we're a buzz with, uh, coronavirus talk and um hand sanitizer a lot of hand washing happening cover your mouths people when you cough please it (laughs) is 2020 everybody should know better my children know this i've been teaching them if you can't use your hands do the old 
uh, Dracula into the elbow. Why is that Dracula? You know, he's like pulling the cape. Oh, there you go. Right? Just into the... Right into the fold of the yeah. elbow. And there. you can do it if you want while you do it. But If you've got that level of creativity <laughs> in your cough. Right. Yeah. Um, last week I was on a flight. Um, I went to Mexico. So I had to go through the airport and I, I practically drank hand sanitizer. I was bathing <laughs> in it each time I had to like interact with somebody somewhere. And um, yeah, I... I found I was asked questions too at the airport. Have I been to China? Um, did I know anybody that had been to China? Was I near China? So they already make you jump through so many hoops to get on an airplane. I think they should just add one more, and it's like that quarantine. Like when you go to prison, you got to get de louse. <laughs> sure. On your like, so you. Go, I was thinking ET, but we'll go with your your analogy. Well, I was thinking of Shawshank. That's <laughs> okay. like that's my prison experience. Right, right, right. Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. So yeah, you got to like you shed your clothes. You get some issued travel clothes, and then you got to get de loused. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. So the markets, I mean, the, it, it is relevant, and the markets have definitely spent some time this week digesting the fear and complication of the coronavirus as it, uh, economies from around the world are beginning to grapple with this now. Well, yeah, and the reality that this isn't isolated to China or even, you know, one continent or hemisphere. This is... What did, what did the CDC say this this past week? It's not if, it's when. That's right. Coronavirus will be affecting uh, your community. Yeah, and this week um, it's been spreading into the Middle East and Europe. Um, we've seen it. Um, I mean, Latin America now. Brazil reported coronavirus um, confirmed cases here in California. Yeah. And of course, New York this week, um, they're experiencing some quarantines and trying to make sure that they've got their arms around it. The, the CDC, from what I saw too, they're, they're having issues now, even with chasing um, the origin now of some of these cases, which makes it even harder to be able to, to contain and know where it's going. Um, and I think the first piece of the economy that that we knew was impacted by this as it happened on Chinese Lunar New Year. Um, so many travelers that then weren't traveling um, and businesses closing. And so there was businesses in China. Some of them have since reopened. I understand, um, you know, like Apple reopened some of their stores, though I guess they're on like an abbreviated schedule. So there's obvious impacts to try to trade travel, you know, GDP and, mm -hmm. and we're, yeah. So the CDC this week upped their, their comment to the U S letting us know that, um, you know, we should brace ourselves that it's coming and, um, yeah, it's scary. I think it is scary. I think I've seen too many movies, um, because somehow or other I'm picturing, you know, zombie apocalypse type of things, you know, like just people in the streets coughing without covering their mouths and, um, <laughs> yeah. affected. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, and for the greater economy, what we're worried about is, you know, always economic growth. How's it going to affect GDP here in the United States? Obviously when you're seeing in China, that businesses are closing down, 
and things like that, obviously that's going to affect economic activity there. So if we start experiencing the same kind of closures, I mean, there, the CDC said potentially, you know, school closures, which if they're closing schools, business, it's hard, not hard to imagine that businesses might be closing a little bit. So it's, um, yeah, and this it's pretty wild to think about. This week, the um, coronavirus cases in China topped 81,000. Um, we're in the ninth week of this coronavirus. Um, but in the last six days, coronaviruses outside of China have increased significantly, uh, more than doubling since the end of last week. And beginning to start to see numbers now that suggest, um, you know, and obviously like we heard all about South Korea this week. They've got um, a couple thousand cases now of coronavirus and have experienced deaths moving into the double digits. Um, so there's no doubt this is going to be something that we're really going to contend with. Um, so it's affecting markets. We're seeing it obviously with the stock market volatility this week. Bond market hasn't been immune to it either. The bond market reached all-time record low yields. Yeah, finding resistance in the, the bond yield there for the 10-year bond hitting like the 1.3% range, which is bizarrely low. You and I were talking before we started the show this morning that um, going through the, the Great Recession that we had in 2008, um, I, I recall the bond yield pushing down into the, you know, the 1.5, which was that's at that time... Um, which was really pre the full impact of Dodd-Frank. That raised the origination costs a little bit. But historically, we've always been told that 30-year fixed tracks at about a percent and a half above the um, the 10-year bond yield. That number has been accepted to push closer to 2% now mm-hmm. um, with the new regulation of Dodd-Frank. But so as a simple rule of thumb, then you could see that whether it's one and a half or 2% over the 10-year yield, that would put interest rates somewhere between 2.8 and 3.2% based on that historical relationship. And so there is a real downward pressure on interest rates right now. It, it You can tell that the economies of the world now are just starting to wonder what, what quarantining and shutting down business and shutting down travel and, um, you know, access to if, if businesses and factories and distributors and suppliers are, are choosing um, or, or being forced into, uh, you know, quarantine type of action, then um, there's going to be clear drain on GDP. And so because of that, you're already, we're starting to get, rumors or or not rumors but maybe apple made an announcement this week that um they were already saying hey for all of you analysts that are tracking us we will miss our first quarter revenue uh as a result of coronavirus right so we're it's no doubt the big companies they're they're already trying to sort of pad the landing that we should just be expecting to see reduced profits in, in a variety of sectors based on um, the impact that this is having to business. And then the the question that comes up this week is, well, does this mean that the Fed might be looking to cut interest rates because of the slowing economic activity? Um, you know, there's, I saw something earlier this week about potentially more than one rate cut 
as a result of this if it becomes as far-reaching as feared it could be? So look, Dan, you said so earlier before we were on the air that that I might have freaked you out about You did. You definitely did. Not my interest (laughs) to be scary. You know, I mean, the more I read about it, the more I... um, but don't want to minimize it either. I don't want to something. minimize it. I mean, man, when you when you scroll through and look at these things, like I I'm looking at, you know, like there's an article this week about the the six regions that have had, um, you know, I, best described as isotopic curves in term of um, confirmed infection. They've got Italy, Japan, Iran, Singapore. Um, South Korea, uh, it's just starting to make its way around the globe now. The only continent left in the world that doesn't have a confirmed case of coronavirus is Antarctica. Jeez. So it's everywhere. And, you know, I mean, don't be scared, but um, be smart, right? And like you said, Wipe down services. This is a time to perfect some of your, your cleaning yeah. and, and hygiene habits. You've always here. wanted a cleaner house. Now's the time to do it. Keep Put it that clean. plan into action. Keep work clean. If you have <laughs> high traffic work, keep work clean. Yeah. Wash your hands a lot. Hand sanitizer is your friend. Um, keep it to a minimum. And, and if you are of the, uh, the persuasion here to go out and get one of the face masks, um, uh, it's going to become popular, right? For years, we saw um, parts of Asia where they have poor air quality. Those guys primarily oh, yeah. wear them for air quality issues. But I know also that it's just dense populations of people is is obviously um, this kind of thing takes stronghold there. Um, so I'll order you a mask, Dan. All right. And wear it until 2022. Cool. Give me one with like a Darth Vader grill on it. There you go. Yeah, yeah I saw when you I was saw at, some fashion masks. I saw too, some man. fashion masks at the airport, you know, like his and hers and, uh, <laughs> you know, people wearing the masks. And I, I didn't wear a mask. I hope I don't grow to regret that. I saw a news article um, that there was a confirmed case in, in South Korea of a flight attendant who's only 24 um, who was serving LAX. Hmm. And so I'm like, man, I went through LAX like the two days that she was there. So if it all got handed around, you know, I might, I might pop up on one of these lists as a, as a confirmed case on, I, I can't even, I don't even want Not making me feel good about doing this radio show in this closed room with you. I'll try not, I'll try <laughs> not to cough on you. Okay. I don't have a cough for the record. But, um, yeah, it's just scary. You have a trip planned at the end of the year. I do, yeah. International, International travel. Trip. And, yeah, I'm, I've, I've definitely been wondering if it's going to uh, go as planned or if it'll have to get canceled. I don't know. I hope not. It'll Looking be forward a, to it. It'll be a wait and see. Yeah. So, yeah, um, the, the, uh, the market has definitely reacted to this. We've seen interest rates um, with tremendous downward pressure and – just, I don't want to do a whole nother episode <laughs> no. about convincing everybody uh, why they should refi, but you should know that the the benchmark it probably sits at about three point eight seven five percent, maybe four percent. If, if you, you have, have a that. rate higher than that, um, you, you should you should look into refining. It's a yeah. it's a good time. It, what's interesting about this 
rate environment right now is that we're seeing the historically low bond yields, but I do remember interest rates being a little bit lower than they are today. Right. And I think there was in part, I mean, obviously it could be margin compression. Yeah. Some of it, because there's been a lot of fee, what, G fees? Is that what they've, yeah. they're called G fees? They call them G fee for slang, which is a guarantee fee. Those, those got pushed in, um, money that goes to the treasury and it ultimately is, been you know g fees now which prior to the last recession where we didn't really have g fees g fees now are about a half a percent so i see that probably as one of the factors that's holding us a little bit above that i've yet to see a 30-year fixed in the two yeah, percent no, no, range yeah. but um, that's where then or now you were talking about the you know the spread between the 10-year yield and the 30-year yields widened a little bit it used to be generally accepted it was one and a half seems to be more like two um so yeah it seems like g fees could possibly be a a major factor in that yeah i do recall the lowest 30-year fixed i've ever seen locked and closed for bruce no Uh, i don't know who it was for it was a customer here i believe it was with central coast lending yeah it had to have been 2.875 dang that was i don't believe so I don't believe so. That's almost free It money. was, um, gosh, it was, I I want to say 2011 or so, 10. But yeah, that's the lowest 30-year fixed I've ever seen. It was like one day. One day you could have got this 2.875. One day in March. Yeah, something like that. I think it was. So yeah. we're, the, we're close. We're close. Things are, things are knocking on the door of those historic lows in the interest rate. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't sure how I would work this into today's show, but I'll drop this bomb on you right here. <laughs> um, the uh, Federal Housing Finance Agency announced um, Julian Loki Capital as an advisor um, to help plan the end to the U.S. government's control of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And this, I mean, that's where the G fees are, right? They're levied through the FHFA mm-hmm. into Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And this is a pretty significant milestone. Um, Fannie and Freddie are still in conservatorship. They're placed in conservatorship in like 2008 or nine. Um, been a really long run. But so these guys are tasked with a, I mean, they have a, a pretty big job in front of them. They're going to, they're going to come up with the roadmap for reprivatizing the government-sponsored enterprises that are Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Um, They'll look at all of the possible options to make it happen, including um, the way the businesses should run and the way that they should be structured and capitalized, what their reserve requirements should be. Um, And it's going to... It's interesting to me that we have somebody at the helm now. This It was kind of kicked around during the last election, even the prior election, of trying to figure out whether it should be privatized again or not. Mm-hmm. And um, it'll be interesting to see what these guys come up with. And, you know, and for what it's worth, you know, they, they got taken under conservatorship and basically capitalized by the Treasury, right? We, we saw um, the the feds work through a plan of balance sheet um, purchases of bonds and mortgage-backed securities. Um, A lot of that is still being reinvested. 
um, the stockholder for those, the American people that became the owners of Fannie and Freddie, it's been wildly profitable. Much of those, the deal was structured with preferred stock that's paid handsome dividends. They've paid back their money. Um, it's been a few years since it was very relevant part of the conversation, but um, last I checked, the the repayment on those additional capital infusions was more than double. So it's been a fantastic investment, um, but I think it's long overdue to figure out um, how to get the government sponsored enterprises um, into a position where they can retain their profits um, and keep their capital buffer and just be on a stronger footing going forward. Um, the uh, yeah, anyway, the the contract um, FHFA is going to pay. Julian Loki nine million dollars for the first year in the contract, and they've got options to extend for another four and a half years. Um, total contract not to exceed forty five million dollars. So they're putting some real money into this firm to try to come up what, with what will be the next major milestone um, in this final piece of of reprivatizing Fannie and Freddie. The big problem then which I still see as a, you know, the profit was private to those companies. The shareholders made lots of money during the run-up mm-hmm. and the losses became public, right? Right. So th- now when we do figure out how to turn them back out to be private to where they can now keep profit, again, with good capital buffer to make sure that they stay on really firm footing, that given a next housing downturn that you wouldn't experience the same kind of problems where they wouldn't be undercapitalized and over leveraged right. and, and lead to the problems that they had before. But um, we're going to learn a lot about that um, this year. We're going to start to see what some of those proposals are and what those look like and uh, be interesting to, to track that. So that'll probably be something that we'll, we'll continue talking about this year on Mortgage Matters. We are ready for our first commercial break here. Time to take some little time out and thank the sponsors that help make the show possible. And we'll be back in just a minute here with more Mortgage Matters. Stay tuned. More from the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending in just seconds. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5. Hey, Brian from AM Sun Solar here. Did you know that if you own a home and have an electric bill, you could miss out on the full 30% solar tax credit this year if you don't act fast? The full 30% tax credit lowers after this year, so you're going to miss out on cash and time is running out. Call AM Sun Solar today to see if your home qualifies for the full 30% solar tax credit. Get your free solar consultation before it's too late. We are already filling up our installation schedule to get the tax credit, so call AM Sun Solar today at 805 or visit us at amsunsolar.com. AM Sun Solar is located in Paso Robles, so you know you're working with a local company that has the best equipment and a 20% longer workmanship warranty than anyone else in the area. Call us today at 805-772-6786 or visit amsunsolar.com to see if your home qualifies for a solar energy system and the full 30% solar tax credit. That's 805-772-6786. 
Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. As a direct VA lender, we specialize in helping the great servicemen and women of the Central Coast utilize their benefit to purchase and refinance real estate. We thank you for your service and believe it's a distinct honor to serve you. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 503 Lowe, mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328 Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 503 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number. 328-358. In the heart of wine country, in Templeton, home to one of the top school districts, you can own a brand new, beautiful home, not a condo, a home, built by the best, starting for less than $500,000. Introducing Vineyard Creek from Coastal Community Builders, who've been shaping our community for 30 years. Right now, Vineyard Creek, just off Las Tablas Road in Templeton, has plenty of homes to choose from. But with prices starting below $500,000, homes are selling fast. Visit CoastalCommunityBuilders.com today. In these times of economic turmoil, it's hard to know where to turn for financial security. At Blakesley & Blakesley, they've been providing solid financial advice for over 30 years. If you'd like a second opinion on your investments or just a financial tune-up, turn to a proven name you know you can trust. Blakesley & Blakesley. For the service you deserve and the advice you trust, come to Blakesley & Blakesley with offices in San Luis Obispo, Santa Maria, and Paso Robles. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We believe that cell phone apps are great for some things and wrong for others. When it comes to something as significant as a mortgage, use our team of mortgage experts. Leave the apps for ordering pizza, not for buying a home. Use your phone for its original purpose and give us a call today. Just call 503 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5 every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11. If you missed any part of the show, check out the podcast at centralcoastlending.com. Now, back to the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, <clears throat> all right, there's a little bit of housing stuff that we can dig through. We can take our, our eyes off of the coronavirus for a minute here. Okay. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's dive into some news. Wait, I was still muted, so let's talk, and then we're going to fix that. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, thanks for sticking around. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to jump in and switch gears a little bit instead of just talking, um, you know, 
coronavirus so much, thought it might be good for us to talk housing. You want to talk housing, Dan? I do want to talk housing. I love talking. In fact, it's a it's a major theme of this show. We should talk some housing. That's right. <laughs> um, handful of uh, different things to kind of peel through today. We've got some some stats, and I think we'll start here with new home sales. Um, so, last month, new home sales jumped seven point nine percent. This is the highest level of new home sales in the U.S. since July of two thousand seven. Wow. That must have been the last big good month leading right into it, right? Yeah. Uh, In fact, everybody that bought a new home in that peak month of July 2007 regretted um, it. Regretted it. (laughs) They they have the uh, no no regrets tattoo and are filled (laughs) with regrets. Um, I, we, I had fun conversation this week about the no, no regrets tattoo. And then somebody reminded me he had seen a meme of somebody that had the no regrets. So no <laughs> regrets or regrets. Um, the, the new home um, piece of the economy here accounts for about 3.1% of the total GDP pie. So it's good um, to see that working. Part of the reason why the new home sales are as high as they are is because the Fed's cut rate three times last year, right? Paving the way for these people to get excited and and buy a house. And um, good to see a 12 and a half year high there. Um, The seasonally adjusted annual rate for new home sales last month was 764,000. December's pace was also revised upward, but it was 708. 708,000 units um, was originally reported at 694,000. Um, so, yeah, new homes, by the way, brand new homes account for about 12.3% of housing market sales. So the rest of sales are obviously going to be existing homes, that used home, the previously lived in home. Um, so, you know, that's that's a definitely a, uh, a good a good metric, love to see it. I mean, in terms of the housing crisis that's always discussed, new homes are the help on the way. And that leads us right in uh, right next to um, the next piece of data, which is about U.S. housing starts and building permits. Um, so starts for the month of January um, were slightly less than expected, Um but the good news in that report is that building permits surged to a near 13-year high. Um, and again, it's mostly attributed to the fact that these rates are really low, keeping the environment good for builders to feel good about um, starting pulling permits and starting the process to add to the housing. Low rates and demand hasn't waned at all either. Demand no. is still very strong. So, so yeah. housing starts dropped 3.6%. That number can be a little bit volatile, though. It, it tends to fluctuate with really large projects like huge um, metropolis developments, but also big condo or apartment projects can also push that number around a little bit. Um, altogether, those starts last month were at 1.56 million units, um, which is a very healthy clip. That's, a, that's way up there. Um, and so anyhow, building permits were up 
9.2%. The rate of permit pulling for January was at 1.55 million um, in the nation. And that's the highest level that we've seen since March of 07. So that's a, those are good metrics right there to see that between March and, and July, um, that was right about in 07, that was right about where things started to, to change. Um, but hey, um, you, you said so earlier, I, I, tying back to the coronavirus thing, now the Fed's potentially visiting the idea of maybe lowering interest rates this year, trying to... Lowering the Fed funds rate, yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I look at the, the mortgage rates, and it's hard to imagine the actual mortgage rates getting much lower. Like I said, the lowest I've ever seen a 30-year fixed was about a quarter, three-eighths, half point lower than where we're at today. So how, I mean, banks still need to make some kind of yield on, when loaning money. Yeah. And so you know, it can't, I, I just have a hard time seeing it getting The other thing about this lower. that you can't really, you know, you just, yeah, we're busy. The mortgage business is busy again. And it's a lot of refis right now. And a lot of the refis that we're doing, um, we're able to do appraisal waivers for. So I think in terms of the timeline of the transaction, even though companies are very busy, the timelines are still going to be held pretty well because you're not waiting on that appraisal component so much like last time when we were really busy a few years ago when rates really bottomed out. Um, every file seemed to need an appraisal. And that was just an added piece of the process that was adding a couple of weeks to it. Mm -hmm. I, I ran a report here that I think you'd get a kick out of. Um, I looked at last February, 2019, total applications to the company in 2019, just for the month of February was 38 applications. It's pretty slow. It's pretty slow. February is kind of a slow month. I mean, we're coming off of kind of hibernating through those winter months. A lot of people not too excited to transact big financial transactions over the holidays. The loan officers, as a result, sort of go into hibernation too. Um, but to put into perspective what we're talking about with these low rates, um, through February of 2020, just isolating the, the same period, uh, we had 105 applications. So you've got 38 last year, and in the exact same calendar period this year, over 100. So um, is good. These rates are low. Uh, in fact, as I, I'm looking at this list right now, and I see several names on the list from people that refinanced um, or I'm sorry, that purchased their home. This report looks like it's at least 60% purchases for last February. And I see these names showing up right now as people that are refinancing today. Well, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. It started about the second quarter of last year when rates started falling that we saw the business shift dramatically from heavy purchase to heavy refinance. And I shared last week that our fourth, I just, you know, finished up fourth quarter numbers. Um, we were two thirds of our business was refinance activity. So 
Word is out. Rates are low. There was one thing related to refinance activity that I wanted to bring up because it's come up as as we've just been overloaded with calls about refinancing. Uh, you know, there's these epiphany moments here where I realize that we're not addressing issues because we take them for granted. And so one thing I wanted to bring up today, because it came up more than one time in this past week, um, and it was related to cash out refinances. We had customers believing that when you take cash out in a mortgage transaction, that it is reported on your tax return as income. And I wanted to just dispel that myth that cash out on a mortgage refinance transaction is income. It's not income. You're liquidating an asset. You're, right. you're accessing home equity of an asset that you own. Right. That, that's your asset. That's not viewed as income. You will not be taxed on any cash proceeds you receive as a result of a mortgage refinance. That's right. So I just, it came up at least three times just this week. Um, so. I thought you were going to point out that a cash out refinance usually has a higher interest rate well, than that no too. cash out. That refinance. too. But there were, what was interesting was we were running into people where they could benefit from taking cash. They needed cash for either consolidating debt or for home improvement projects, but they were really reluctant to to do that. And it turned out that in developing that conversation, they were concerned that any cash proceeds they received was going to be taxed as income. So essentially only, you know, you're going to pay, pay uncle Sam a third of what you get. That just, that's not the case. Do you remember watching a team when you were a little kid? Oh, one of my favorite and shows. You remember the, the now you know thing that happened on the commercials? Uh-huh. It had like a tone go do, do, do. Now, you know, so now you know. Now That's everybody right. knows. That's right. Come get your cash out refi. <laughs> Not a lot of the refis are even cash no, out. Most a- of the refis are just to improve rate, shorten a term, or get to rid consolidate of MI, debt. Those kind of things. Yeah. All right. Uh, we made our way to the place here where we got to do another commercial break. So um, let's go ahead and, and slip this in. And we'll be back here in just a minute with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5. The mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending will be back in just a few minutes. Hey, Brian from AM Sun Solar here. Did you know that if you own a home and have an electric bill, you could miss out on the full 30% solar tax credit this year if you don't? act fast. The full 30% tax credit lowers after this year, so you're going to miss out on cash and time is running out. Call AM Sun Solar today to see if your home qualifies for the full 30% solar tax credit. Get your free solar consultation before it's too late. We are already filling up our installation schedule to get the tax credit, so call AM Sun Solar today at 805-772-6786 or visit us at amsunsolar.com. AM Sun Solar is located in Paso Robles, so you know you're working with a local company that has the best equipment and a 20% longer workmanship warranty than anyone else in the area. Call us today at 805-772-6786 or visit amsunsolar.com to see if your home qualifies for a solar energy system and the full 30% solar tax credit. That's 805-772-6786. 
Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. As a direct VA lender, we specialize in helping the great servicemen and women of the Central Coast utilize their benefit to purchase and refinance real estate. We thank you for your service and believe it's a distinct honor to serve you. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 low the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328 Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We are using low down payment programs and down payment assistance programs to help folks just like you buy their first home. You may not need to save and wait as long as you think. Are you ready to explore home ownership? Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number. 328-358. In the heart of wine country, in Templeton, home to one of the top school districts, you can own a brand new, beautiful home, not a condo, a home, built by the best, starting for less than $500,000. Introducing Vineyard Creek from Coastal Community Builders, who've been shaping our community for 30 years. Right now, Vineyard Creek, just off Las Tablas Road in Templeton, has plenty of homes to choose from. But with prices starting below $500,000, homes are selling fast. Visit CoastalCommunityBuilders.com today. In these times of economic turmoil, it's hard to know where to turn for financial security. At Blakesley and Blakesley, they've been providing solid financial advice for over 30 years. If you'd like a second opinion on your investments or just a financial tune-up, turn to a proven name you know you can trust. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Come to Blakesley and Blakesley with offices in San Luis Obispo, Santa Maria, and Paso Robles. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. We believe that cell phone apps are great for some things and wrong for others. When it comes to something as significant as a mortgage, use our team of mortgage experts. Leave the apps for ordering pizza, not for buying a home. Use your phone for its original purpose and give us a call today. Just call 543 low the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. NMLS number 328. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920 and FM 96.5. Join in on the conversation at 805-543-8830 or 1-800-549-5832. Now, back to the mortgage experts from Central Coast Lending. everybody welcome back thanks for sticking around we do have a a whole next hour planned i'm excited we're gonna have mike points on the show and um we have a guest it's jim moresco from midland pacific homes and um they're a a pretty significant builder here on the central coast been a great family business for over 40 years and they've been building homes and have a few tracks and we're going to kind of get into the weeds a little bit about that and what they do and and some of their product stuff so 
if that interests you, we'll be doing that for the next hour. And um, I'm going to start that right after the top of the hour. So we talked a little bit about new home sales, housing starts. We also got some data here about um, existing home sales. And um, existing home sales declined just a little bit, 1.3%. 5.46 million units traded hands last month, um, which is a little bit below uh, the prior month. And these low interest rates um, don't necessarily have too many people wanting to sell their home. So they'd seen these numbers go down a little bit. Um, at January's pace, it would take 3.1 months to exhaust the current inventory. Um, and a year ago, the inventory, um, that that pace, the, the current inventory pace a year ago over the same time period was at 3.8 months. So there's fewer homes being offered for sale and they're selling much faster. Um, and so that's just kind of the look in there about the existing home sales number. Um, you know, existing home sales make up almost 90% of us home sales. And, um, you know, it's something that we track just to try to have our handle on, um, if people are feeling confident and being able to make a change. I do see here that's that existing home sales fell a little more than 9% in the West, um, which, you know, I, I see that and, and hearing about the months of supply and that I, I think that has more to do with lack of inventory than anything. We saw new home sales. You reported that one just before the break, new home sales were actually up um, 30% in the West. So, or it was 30% in the Midwest and 23% in the West. So obviously people in the Western region here are wanting to buy, they are buying homes, um, huge jump in the new home sales activity. It's just down here with the existing because of inventory issues. That's right. Yeah. And you know, for, like I said, that's a lot of refinance business that we're that we're getting through right now, but still plenty of purchase business too. That's not seemed to slow down one bit for us. Um, and, you know, a lot of the purchase transactions that we have are still contingent upon um, usually the buyer and the seller getting a replacement property or selling their current home. That's a pretty common thing. And um, I feel like just as a good public service announcement, um, a lot of people are really threatened by that process or they don't understand how they could swing it. Um, and so I decided just throw this out there. You know, if you're one of those people that bought a house, um, you know, five, six, seven years ago, it, it might be possible that you have two or $300,000 of equity in your home. So whatever your equity position is, just know that it's very common that people, um, decide that they've outgrown their house for whatever reason. Maybe they want in a different school district or they want to get a multi-level home or they're looking for another bedroom or a, a one less bedroom. I mean, you never know as people's needs are changing through the years. And and so moving your equity from one property to the next is um, is what we're describing. And usually we line those up with a concurrent closing. So you would find yourself in a position where you can sell your home and then that money go into escrow and become the down payment of the new home. 
And, you know, the, um, if that sounds complicated, it's really not. There's a, a few different ways that that can be addressed in terms of using the calendar. And um, one of them that I think is a pretty common one is you might list your home for sale. And when you accept that buyer's offer, you're going to say that these timelines are going to begin for us all when I find a suitable replacement. And with the knowledge of their home being in an escrow, now when they go to make an offer on the home that they want to buy, they say, hey, my home's um, not only listed for sale, but it's actually in escrow. I have a contract on it and it's a 45-day escrow or a 30-day escrow, whatever it's going to be. And so I want to buy your house and I'd like to try to line those closing dates up. Um, you know, one of the one of the ways that you could benefit from using that calendar, your advantage is, is right in there that you want to um, have the opportunity to rent your house back for a period of a week or two or maybe a month if there's painting or other things that you feel like you need to do in the new house. Um, it's very common. And usually all it takes is just saying, I want to become a tenant. So I'll, this will close. You will become the new owner and I'll be your tenant for a period of a month. And during that month, I'm agreeable to pay your actual daily cost on this home, what we call the PITI, principal interest taxes and insurance. And so you would end up paying the seller, or I'm sorry, your buyer um, for about a month of, of overlap, if that's what it took for you to be able to have enough room to be able to do what you need to do at the new house and then move into it. So I think, I think we would probably see more um, existing home sales and people a little bit more willing to move around and, and, you know, not be so shy to get a house if everyone understood that that's a pretty common engagement in these purchase transactions that are being worked on. Well, that and if there's a little more inventory, so you felt secure in being able to find your replacement home. It was interesting. I'm always looking on on the realtor.com app. Um, just to check out what's what's available, what's listed. And I was clicking through just homes in San Luis Obispo and nearly, I mean, it must've been 90% of them were either pending or contingent. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, everything's got activity on it that's listed right now. It's, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to bring up that I saw on TV, another myth that needs to be dispelled here. Oh, uh, where did you see this? This myth? is on CNBC. This is from Diana Olick, the um, housing person, the, you know, the the housing correspondent there. And she was interviewing someone and they were talking about, you know, one of the reasons for slower home sales is that, you know, or they were talking about, you know, money still not being readily available for buying homes, which just baffled me because guidelines are great right now. They make a lot of sense. You have to display your income and your assets and you can qualify for a mortgage if you're, if it makes sense for you. In fact, we often find the problem that we can qualify people for way more than they're comfortable yes. paying per month for housing. But they were saying, you know, the, the thing that's holding it back, that banks are still requiring large down payments, quote unquote, large down payments and ample free cash flow. Like that, that's an inaccurate and discouraging statement that they're making. It's very inaccurate. Um, as I, you know, Dan, I was looking at this list of um of the applications that we took from february to february that i was talking like a minute ago about mm -hmm. um some of those people that i saw on there i recognized one of them was a person put 
10% down, which I was like, man, that's, I mean, that's a sizable down payment. In this case, it was a condo and a Tascadero, which was like $350,000. So they put down 35 grand. Um, the refi that we're running today, I, I got an appraisal waiver on it. I just said that it was, I backed into the value saying that it was, you know, what it took to be at 80% to get rid of the mortgage insurance. And the system said, yeah, that's fine. You can have a waiver. Um, but you know, that 10% down, most first time home buyers don't have 10% down usually unless they've got like a wealthy relative that's helping them. So Fannie Mae offers down payments as low as 3%. FHA has down payments as low as three and a half percent. You know, VA obviously can be a zero down. USDA, which works in our county, can be a zero down. And there are still some USDA opportunities out Definitely. there. Definitely. Working with a USDA buyer right now that's looking in Paso Robles. And as we've identified a few different housing tracks that with her income and that price point in that geographic area can do a hundred percent financing. So like you say, you hit the nail on the head. It's discouraging. Yeah. This, I mean, a statement like you need ample free cash flow. That sounds like something that the CEO of a huge corporation has. (laughs) I don't feel like I have ample free cash flow. What does that even mean? You need to have income that supports your ability to pay your debts. That's what you need. And we make loans every day for regular old people buying regular old homes here in San Luis Obispo County. Yeah. Happens all the time. And you know, just as a rule of thumb, basically if you're listening right now and you're wondering how you fit into this, you know, it's, it effectively goes up to about a 50% debt to income ratio. So if you say you have a job where you make $8,000 a month in gross salary, or maybe that's a household income, you'd be eligible then for debt service of about 50% of that, in this case, about $4,000 a month. Now that needs to include your housing in terms of principal interest, taxes, insurance, and HOA if it exists, flood insurance if it is required. And then after that, you also need to be able to fit in there any of the payments that show up on your credit report, your auto loans, student loans, credit card, you know, credit card debt that you're carrying. But like you said, more people imagine that if you had gross income of $96,000 a year, you're not getting $8,000 a month. You're probably receiving closer to 5,500 or 6,000. And um, depending on your health care deductions and those kind of things, which mm-hmm. aren't factored into these numbers. 401, you know, retirement. Yeah. So bottom line is, um, you know, those people would be qualifying for potentially a $4,000 a month house payment. And the quick and dirty there is that it's about $550 for every hundred thousand you, um, buy. Right. So if you sure. buy a house for four, $400,000, you take four times five fifty and expect that mortgage payment to be around 2,200 bucks a month. Um, well under those thresholds. So that's like, like you said, it's a great point. People usually qualify for more than they feel comfortable borrowing. Um, so anyhow, um, great to point that out. Thanks for dispelling the myths. We do that a lot here on Mortgage Matters. Guys, we have a, a whole nother hour of Mortgage Matters coming up. And and like I mentioned earlier, um, we have a special guest joining us today. He's the COO of Midland Pacific Homes, Jim Moresco. And um, we're going to we're going to talk about um, new homes and some of the projects that are available around the county, um, timelines and, you know, kind of things like that. And so really looking forward to it and hope that you guys will stick around for the next hour of Mortgage Matters. 
on this fine leap day. So uh, we'll be back in just a minute. 